This week, the Dubai arrest of two Gupta brothers, Atul and Rajesh, made international headlines. Atas Rudy Heineke played a significant role in the unpacking of the Gupta leaks, and a lot of this information was also handed to the NPA. I'm Ilse Salzvedel for Alta, and today I'm speaking to Rudy Heineke. It's a great big pleasure to speak to my colleague Rudy Heineke. He also gave a lot of input into the book Permitted Plundering, How Parliament Failed South Africa, in which we delved into the state capture phenomenon, the role players, the people who actually stoked the fires, and then Parliament who failed to act. Rudy, welcome and thank you for speaking to me today. Thank you, Ilza. It's a great pleasure. Everybody is talking about one thing and one thing only, and that is the Gupta arrests. The brothers Atul and Rajesh Gupta were arrested in Dubai with the help of the Dubai police after being placed on an Interpol red notice four months ago. Please tell us more and give us a bit of the background behind this arrest. Obviously, um, we were very pleased, everybody, uh, to hear about the arrests on the night of 6 June. I think the background there too, uh, it started off with the Nulani Investments 204 case in the Free State, where uh, Iqbal Sharma and some uh, government officials appeared in court in February. Uh, and on that charge sheet, uh, Atul Gupta, Rajesh Gupta, and their wives were also uh, charged with money laundering, corruption, etc. Uh, and because of that, there was a red note uh, set out or, or put out for Interpol. You cannot put out a, a red notice before you have a charge against somebody, obviously. And yes, uh, it all came together yesterday. There are rumors circulating that they were actually arrested on Friday already and that we only became aware of it last night. Do you have any comment on that? Well, I searched the media and also the Dubai police website. I could not find any confirmation that they were arrested on Friday already. But I think uh, Friday, Monday, what's the difference? They are arrested and I think we should be pleased and waiting now for a successful extradition that can also take some time. Hopefully the different government parties will get together and work together uh, and that we will see a speedy extradition of the two apprehended Guptas back to South Africa. In the Dubai police's statement, they said that... Uh extradition docket is already being compiled. Do you have any knowledge about what it takes to get people extradited from other countries and what recourse do they have, the Gupta brothers, to not be sent back to South Africa? Well, I have limited knowledge with regards to extraditions. Um, But what I do know is that they will appear in court there and Obviously, I think that they will oppose the extradition application from South Africa. Uh, and then it will be up to the, the courts in the UAE or in Dubai to make a decision to say, yes, we do believe that you should stand trial in your own country uh, for charges that's uh, serious. And um, they can make a ruling then to extradite them. 
Uh, I do not know exactly the procedure in Dubai, uh, but uh, and if they can appeal that, but I do believe they will have the, the opportunity to do so. So we will have to wait and see. I don't think it's going to be a speedy process and that we will see the Guptas in two or three weeks' time in South Africa. Uh, it would be nice to see them in court uh, also on the 13th of July, where I think they will be joined uh, you know, to the Transnet charge sheet. But uh, that is wishful thinking. I don't think that it will happen that quickly. Okay, you now refer to the Transnet arrests. Uh, we were also quite pleased when we saw arrests happening on the 26th of May, I think it was. Or Actually, no, we woke up to arrests on the morning of the 27th of May. Please tell us a bit about that. The Transnet people that were arrested were high-placed officials and people that we never thought we will see in a dock so soon. Please give us the background and tell us how the implicated officials are linked to state capture. Alta started to do investigations uh, with regards to state capture when we received the Gupta leaks way back in 2017. And one of the focus areas uh, were Transnet and obviously the second defined benefit fund, the Transnet pension fund. Uh, So this specific arrest on uh, last Friday came about uh, on a specific finance loan agreement that was struck between Transnet and a consortium of South African banks. But there's a a pre transaction that happened and that led to this consortium of banks giving a loan to Transnet. And that was what we call the CDB loan or the China Development Bank loan. That started off way back in uh, 2013, 2014, when um, the erstwhile treasurer of Transnet, Ms. Ellen Mahatu, investigated financing methods for the locomotives to be purchased by Transnet. One of the avenues she uh, looked at was the CDB loan, and she came to the conclusion that it was just way too expensive uh, and that Transnet can find cheaper solutions or cheaper finance. She reported this to, uh, uh, back in the day, the CFO, Arnaj Singh, and the CEO, Mr. Brian Mulefe. But at the end of 2014, uh, President Zuma went on a state visit to China And there he met with the governor of the China Development Bank. Uh, Upon his return uh, early in 2015, Mr. Singh and Mr. Mulefe urged uh, Ms. Mahatu to start the negotiations again. And she said that she just couldn't, and regiments was on the scene by that time. She resigned. Uh, Petolo Ramasabudi was appointed as the new treasurer of Transnet. And then it was quite a free flow And the CDB loan was given to Transnet on very, very high terms, high interest rate. And, uh, you know, we could have got that money cheaper. So the deal was signed. The one thing that's very peculiar about that deal is that in that uh, agreement, there is a a certain percentage that came down to $17 million that was put aside for a consortium. And up until today, we don't know who is that consortium, but we know that $17 million will go to some individuals. You know, hopefully, you know, when this matter comes before court, 
they will be able to find out who's this uh, mysterious consortium of individuals who must get that money or who got that money. Now, uh, Transnet paid regiments 189 million rand for work that they supposedly done on this deal. Uh, this was motivated by Petola Ramasaburi, Anoj Singh, and uh, uh, Brian Mulefe proved it, and they got paid. And I think Just repeat that the, number, please, Rudy. 189 million rand. For that doing nothing. To, for doing nothing, in essence. Yeah, it's... It's actually work that uh, the, the Transnet team did already, you know, in the days of Mahatu. So, uh, yes, 189 million rand for doing uh, very, you know, not lifting a lot of uh, pens and putting it down on paper. They did go for a visit to Beijing, the whole group of them, but uh, I cannot see that that is, you know, work and that can be seen as a, a, an invoice for 100, 189 million rand. But that eight, 189 million rand was then distributed to a few companies and individuals. First of all, the regiment's directors at the time, Mr. Nonya Pillay and Mr. Wood, each took 2 million rand for themselves. Uh, and they paid Mr. Cuban Mudley 5.6 million rand as a sweetener, and then uh, 141 million rand was paid over to a company called Alba Time, of which Cuban Moodley is also the director. And Cuban Moodley distributed this money further. He paid 20 million rand of that to Salim Essa, 14 million rand to a letterbox company, another 14 million rand to a letterbox company, and in the region of 90 million rand to Sahara Computers. All in all, you know, this money was distributed and it, most of it, uh, if not all, ended up back in the accounts of uh, the Guptas, some or other business accounts. Then after that, and this is the case that the, the six accused are in court now, uh, is on the consortium or the club loan, as they call it, Trillion came onto the scene uh, and they received 93 million rand for really doing nothing. It was motivated by Petolo Ramasabudi that they must be the lead arranger in this uh, instance. And for that, they got 90 million rand. And once again, 74 million of that was distributed back to the Guptas and Gupta businesses. So all in all, you know, the Guptas got from these two loan deals on the locomotive acquisitions uh, around about 150 million rand. So if they join the Transnet case to the Free State corruption case linked to the Westina Dairy, then the two Gupta brothers will be in court on charges relating to close to 200 million rand. Yeah, obviously it will always be two separate cases, but the total amount of money that went to the Guptas in these two instances were around 200 million rand. So this is what Pravin Gordhan referred to as connecting the dots. How many of these dots are there? Or do you have no idea? Because you worked through roughly 2 million documents in the Gupta Leaks. Well, uh, Ilza, uh, Paul Holden from Shadow World Investigations testified before the Zondo Commission that Gupta connected contracts that were paid came to an amount of 57 billion rand. And of that, around 16 billion rand went straight to the Guptas. I don't think that we will ever be able to calculate, you know, the, the total amount that we lost to Gupta 
state capture and corruption. But um, this really, you know, hurt the taxpayer. It hurt South Africa, the poorest of the poor. And if you go down the line with all these transactions, uh, let's take the Nell for an example. How many people lost their jobs at the Nell? The uh, Nell is actually, you know, at this stage insolvent. Uh, they cannot, you know, pick up their heads again and, and and carry on with business. So it is really a matter of the Guptas living the high life in Dubai with a lot of our money in their pockets and people on this side suffering uh, breadwinners that cannot take care of their families anymore. And we've heard about, you know, all the tra- tragic stories related to just the Denelk uh, instance. So uh, it really hurt the, the, the country and the people of South Africa. Last week marked five years since the media and specifically Amar Bungani and Daily Maverick got hold of the Gupta leaks. Briefly tell us the history behind that. How did it happen? The story as we have it is that um, Mr. Asu Chola, the CEO of Sahara at the time, his laptop broke down and he took it in for repairs and ask the people if they can retrieve the hard drive. Um, after a week or two, they said to him, this is, a, this is a hopeless case. They cannot retrieve the hard drive. And he, he told them just to chuck away the, the um, laptop. Uh, he will get a new one. And the guys just carried on trying, trying to get the, the uh, hard drive retrieved. They succeeded. And when they found out and they saw what was on that hard drive, Obviously, they contacted a lawyer and they contacted Amabungani, and the whole story was told at the State Capture Commission by Mr. Um, Karen, the lawyer at the time. Uh, and like you said, after that, a few months after that, uh, Alta also received a copy of it. And we started to, to look into the Gupta leaks from day one. And that was uh, the first week in June 2017. And as you rightly said, it's five years down the line. And I don't think that I've ever stopped, uh, you know, looking uh, at, the, at the Gupta leaks. Uh, there's a lot of documentation there. There's over 2 million documents, you know, on that hard drive. Uh, one point, I think it was 1.2 or 1.3 million emails. Uh, and then other documents like spreadsheets, uh, PDF files that were, you know, very, very good information and uh, intelligence for us when we did uh, the, the investigation into the Gupta leaks. And obviously from that, as you know, uh, the uh, No Room to Hide a President Court in the Act report uh, came about, which we handed over to Parliament and tried to uh, show parliamentarians uh, how deeply the President at the time was involved with the Guptas. Uh, it didn't succeed on that vote of no confidence, but a few months later, um, you know, the, the, the former president resigned because of pressure. And um, now we're in the new era, and we hope that it will go better. We see now for the first time that, you know, the uh, NPA and the Hawks and the ID, the newly, newly established ID is picking up their heads. They are gaining speed uh, and traction and... Uh, Hopefully, we will see more of that. Uh, it's a pity that it took so long. Um, but yes, uh, the information is there. I think the investigations done was quite good. And there's good evidence. And they have built good dockets that they can take to court to, uh, 
to get a successful prosecution at the end of the day. Who else uh, are implicated and should sleep with one eye open? <laughs> that's, a, that's a difficult question. I don't want to you know, raise too many alarm bells, but I think the obvious people, as we've heard at the Zondo Commission as well, um, you know, Brian Mulef, Anosh Singh, the Gupta executives, the former Gupta, uh, former Transnet executives that's in the dock now. Um, I think one of the kingpins is Salim Essa. And I do believe that, uh, you know, he will be charged very soon. And hopefully there will be a successful arrest and extradition of uh, Salim Essa as well, because he really had a big hand in the work and the corruption and the capturing done by the Guptas. He was, uh, I think he was the brain uh, in, in, in most, most instances. So uh, Salim Esau definitely. And then uh, if we look at uh, ESCOM, I think uh, like uh, the Chief Justice recommended the board of 2014 that was appointed by Lynn Brown. If we look at politicians, Lynn Brown, obviously, Malusigi Gaba, his role that he played when he was the Minister of Public Enterprises, uh, people that received gratification like Des van Rooyen, um, people that handed them information, uh, very confidential or secret information, in fact, um, Faith Mutambi. So yes, there's a, a, a lot of people that they must still look at, um, people still in Parliament, like uh, Mosa Benzizwane. I do believe that you know there were scathing remarks made about him uh, by the Chief Justice, and I hope that we will see him very soon in the dock as well. It's possible that all these people can be arrested and be prosecuted, but it's also possible that many who deserve to be in jail might escape justice. What other recourse do we have as civil society and South Africa as a country to deal with corrupt individuals? You are quite correct, Ilza. I don't think that the NPA will get to everybody, but there are other ways and means uh, that people must take up. You know, it is not the NPA's duty to remove a sitting minister in cabinet. It's not the NPA's duty to remove a deputy minister. It's not the NPA's duty to um, uh, lay a complaint at professional oversight bodies like SAICA, like the Law Society, or LPC rather, uh, it's not the NPA's duty to remove someone from parliament. So there's a whole lot of other people in leadership positions, you know, that must come to the party, that must do their share to, to fight corruption and to clean up the country for us, you know, get the people out of leadership positions. And um, from, from the citizen or from the, from the public side, I do believe that, you know, we should refrain from doing business with anybody that's been implicated in state capture, and not only in state capture, but also other investigative reports that we've seen, like the PPE contracts that were investigated by the SIU, other findings made by the SARS Commission uh, of Inquiry, and we can carry on. And I think we as South African citizens must refrain to do business with the people, and obviously the government must uh, also not do business with any of these individuals who were implicated, individuals and companies. Rudy, you touched on corrupt companies. What should be done? Because we know that corrupt companies and multinationals like McKinsey and others were very heavily involved in state capture. 
and some banks as well. What should be done to corporations, banks, multinationals involved in state capture? Is it enough for them to pay back the money or should other steps be taken? I'm very sure that it's not enough just to pay back the money. Um, you know, these companies are stinking rich. Uh, it's for them, you know, uh, like sponsoring a year-end function to pay back uh, one billion rand, for example. So uh, paying back the money, that's one thing. But I do believe that uh, the executives of, of such companies should also be held accountable, should also appear in court, because it's under their leadership that uh, corruption like this happened. If we think just uh, about the recent uh, Glencore revelations, uh, you know, uh, acknowledging that they paid bribes, it's just not enough just to pay back the money. Uh, surely there should be other consequences as well. Same with the banks, HSBC paying huge bribes in America and in the UK. But uh, the, the executives of those banks should be held accountable uh, because it to just to pay back is not going to stop corruption. Rudy, do you have a word for Alta's supporters? Because in essence, they make the work possible that enabled Alta to not only expose that capture, but to assist with information that led to these Gupta arrests. First of all, a huge thank you to all our supporters. Uh, you know, without the support, the financial support, the moral support, we cannot do what we do every day, the job that you and I like to do. Secondly, I would urge our supporters, you know, to spread the word, to, to, to tell people and, you know, their families, their neighbors, their friends, their colleagues, uh, what Alta is doing um, and try and get them involved and to support us as well. Uh, because this is for the greater good of South Africa. We're not just sitting around reading some news articles and then say that we will you know, do an investigation or that we will lay charges against somebody. I think you know, we have proven ourselves now that we really do um, you know, walk the talk and we really do get the recognition from uh, law enforcement agencies and uh, elsewhere in the media as well. So I would really urge our supporters you know, to, to take the outside message and say, listen, let's stop tax abuse, let's stop corruption. If you like Alta's work and you would like to be an active citizen, please donate to their work. It's as easy as clicking on the Join Now button on the Alta website. Contributions to Alta are now also tax deductible. I'm Ilse Saltzwiddle and this podcast was recorded for Outer.